Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the spiritual analogy of Jordan as we pick up in Numbers chapter 10, verse 30. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. A band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. And Jordan represents, you know, I won't have to cross Jordan alone and the chilly waters of Jordan all represent death, you know, and then I enter into heaven, the glorious promises of God. No, not so. Because once they had crossed over Jordan and come into the land, they were still battling. You're not going to have any battles in heaven. Once they had crossed over Jordan and come into the land, they were even defeated a time or two at Ai. They were deceived by the Gibeonites. You're not going to be defeated in heaven or deceived. Jordan represents the death of the old man, the old nature, my reckoning of myself to be dead with Christ. And the land of promise is that life that I can now enjoy in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit and walking after the Spirit and knowing now the victories in Jesus Christ. In the wilderness, though they had battles, they never gained anything of permanent value. It was not until they began to enter in and possess the land that there was the gaining of things with, they were actually now possessing their possessions. It is tragic that so many Christians spend their entire Christian experience in the wilderness, roaming, wandering in the wilderness. And thus, their Christian walk is sort of just a continual endurance rather than an enjoyment. God wants you to experience now the richness and the fullness of his blessing and his love. And it's there. God has provided for you in Christ Jesus and through the Holy Spirit a life of victory, a life of blessing, a life of fullness. And it is unbelief that keeps so many people from entering in. The ten spies inspired fear. And the people were dominated by fear so that when Joshua and Caleb began and sought to encourage the people with words of faith, the ten spies said, hey, there are giants. We were like grasshoppers in their eyes. Joshua and Caleb said, hey, they're bread for us. The ten spies said, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb said, let's do it now. We are well able to do it. But the people dominated by fear failed to enter in, even ready to destroy the two prophets of God, Joshua and Caleb, who were encouraging them And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be before they believe me? There's the key. It was a lack of faith that kept them from what God had for them. And it's a lack of faith that keeps you from receiving. Entering in by faith. You see, our problem is that we think that we've got to enter in by works. Oh, if I could just be good enough so God could bless me. If I could just be sweet enough and kind enough. 
so that I could be worthy the blessing of God upon my life. And it was the lack of believing and trusting God that kept them out. It wasn't a thing of worthiness at all. It was just the lack of faith, and that's what keeps you. The lack of faith, nothing more. And so God said to Moses, stand back, I'm going to wipe them out. And Moses interceded for the people. And in verse 17, he said, I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people. According unto the greatness of thy mercy, as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Lord, you've gone this far with them. Let's go all the way. All the way from Egypt, you've forgiven them. And talking of the long suffering and the great mercy and the forgiveness of God. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. God wanted to pardon them. And he answered the prayer of Moses. And then I love this verse. But as surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Hey, that, that God is declaring just as sure as he lives, that's going to happen. As surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. I can hardly wait. What a glorious day that is going to be. And God has declared it with an oath, as surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. I want to be here when that happens. I expect to be here when that happens. I'm going to be here when that happens. I have God's promise. Oh, how Glorious is that anticipation of the whole world being filled with the glory of the Lord. All right, let's go for it, God. Because all of these men, those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, they have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear to their fathers, Neither of them that provoke me shall see it, but only Caleb, because another spirit was in him, and he has followed me fully. I'll bring him into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. And now turn, get away back into the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And God said, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? which murmur against me. I've heard their murmuring of the children of Israel. They murmur against me. Say, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Now they said, hey, was God brought us here, you know, to kill our little ones and all? And, and um, our carcasses lie in the wilderness. God said, all right, you've said it. Your carcasses will lie in the wilderness, but your children that you said, oh, God's brought them here to be a prey and all, they will be the ones that will go in and possess the land. And only Joshua and Caleb of the people will be able to go in because they brought back 
an encouraging report. So the people repented and they said, oh, we're sorry, we've sinned. Let's go up and take the land. Moses said, don't do it. In that hill, there are some of the Canaanites and the Amalekites. And the Spirit of the Lord isn't with you. Don't try it. But these people are just headstrong. And they went up anyhow, and the Canaanites and the Amalekites came out and began to wipe them out. Tragic. Now in chapter 15, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel. And when you come into the land, now this is interesting, right after their failure to enter in, they've just come to the, it was a point of failure. Kadesh Barnea was a tragedy. They were at the border of entering in, and now they're turned away, and they're to be shut out for 40 years, a year for every day that the spies were in the land, until that whole generation be passed. All of those that were 20 years or older who came out of Egypt, their carcasses are to be buried in the wilderness. And for 40 years, they're going to tromp through that wilderness until they've all died and then the children of whom they were complaining, saying, you know, that God has brought us here to wipe out our children, the children will go in and possess the land that their parents failed to do. Now, they have just failed. They've just been turned away. And the next thing God says, now when you come into the land, and he gives them orders for the sacrifices that they are to make when they come into the land, the uh, various offerings, the meal offering, the drink offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering and the sin offerings and all. And God gives them the commands for these various sacrifices that they're to make when you come into the land. I think that that's need of God. He's just said, all right, you're not going to make it. Your children will. And when they come into the land, this is what they're to do. As he is more or less just confirming the fact that he's going to keep his word and bring them in. Now he's giving orders. When you come into the land, this is what you're supposed to do. These are the offerings that you're to make. When you come into the land, whether I bring you, again in verse 18. And the various sacrifices, even for those sins of ignorance. And it is interesting as it points out that in the latter portion of verse 24 and so forth, the types of offerings that were to be offered for the sins of ignorance, even the sins of ignorance need attending to. You remember Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Sins of ignorance. But yet they need forgiveness. How many times we have sinned and didn't even know it? Sins of ignorance. I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't a deliberate, willful thing. It was just ignorance, and yet it needs forgiveness. And so verse 32, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man who was gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. That's a violation of the law. They didn't know what to do. They put him in jail to get the mind of the Lord, and the Lord said, stone him. And so the man was put to death. And then the Lord commanded Moses, telling the people of Israel that they were to sew blue ribbon around the borders of their coats. And that blue ribbon around the borders of their coats was to be 
on the fringes as a reminder to keep the commandments of the Lord, that you do not seek after your own heart or your own eyes, after which you used to go a-whoring, but you'll remember to do the commandments of the Lord. I think that's neat. A blue ribbon around the fringe of your coat. Every time you see it, you're reminded, hey, don't follow my own lust or my own wish, my own heart. Follow and keep the commandments of the Lord. And so the blue ribbon is sort of a traditional thing. In some of their festive days, they, they have coats still with a blue ribbon and skirts with a blue ribbon around the bottom. And, and if you see them, you know now what they stand for. They're, they're reminders to the people not to follow after your own heart, but to keep the commandments of the Lord. Now we get to chapter 16, and this guy Korah, who is brought into mention in the book of Jude, has gotten a conspiracy together. He is of the tribe of Levi, and he said, Hey, Moses, you take too much upon yourself. You've got the whole thing tied up with your family. You've appointed your brother as the high priest. Look, we're Levites, and we have just as much right to offer the sacrifices to the Lord as does Aaron. And we want to have a part in the service to God more than just carrying this tent around. So Moses said, all right, you get your little band together, 250 guys, and you get your incense burners, and you bring them with fire in them tomorrow and incense, and we'll see what the Lord will do. Well, Korah had stirred up the Israelites. He gathered a big crowd around. And the people were all, you know, incensed. Yeah, Moses taking too much upon himself. Whole family deal. He's just, you know, putting his family in there and all. And, and they were really gathered against Moses and Aaron again. And Korah, the Levite, was the leader of this insurrection and rebellion. And there were a couple of other fellows that Moses commanded to come. And they said, we're not going to do it. We don't have to obey you. Dathan and Abiram will not come up. Is it a small thing that you brought us out of Egypt and, and you haven't brought us into the land? We're not in a land. This is a wilderness place. You didn't keep your word. You think we're going to listen to you now? We don't have to come up. And so there was a real mutiny, rebellion in the camp. Korah and Abiram and all. And so Moses gathered the congregation of Israel together and he said, okay, you guys, you don't want to come out? You just stand there in your tents with your families and your kids. And all of you that want to go along with this guy, just stand over there and if this thing be of the Lord, then let the Lord do a new thing. Rather than you guys going on and dying natural deaths, let the Lord open up the earth and swallow you alive right down into the pit. And no sooner had Moses said it than the earth opened up and Korah and the whole rebellious crew went right down into the pit. The earth closed up again. And a great fear came upon Israel. <laughs> and all of Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, lest the earth would swallow them up also. 
And fire came out from the Lord and consumed these 250 guys with their incense burners. These guys that were wanting to offer incense and all, the fire of the Lord wiped them all out. So Moses said, all right, now take these little incense burners that were made of brass and flatten them out into plates and use these brass plates to cover the altar as a constant reminder that no one intrudes into the office of the priesthood except he be anointed and called of God. And so those brass plates over the altar were a continual reminder to the people that God had anointed and appointed the family of Aaron for the priesthood, and no man takes that office unto himself or presumptuously. That is to just keep men from rising up and saying, well, man, I'm priest over you. Now, I'm the spiritual one and the holy one, and I have an inside track with God. Now, in the New Testament, there was to be no priesthood at all. That whole system was abolished by Jesus Christ, who has become our great high priest and who's entered into heaven for us and has opened the door for all of us to have free access unto God through him. And in the church of Ephesus, the Lord commended them in that they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which was the establishing of a priesthood over the laity, which the Lord said, I hate. To the church of Pergamos, he rebuked them because that which was rejected by the church of Ephesus was accepted by the church of Pergamos. Thou hast there the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and the Lord again declared his hatred of it. Why? Because Jesus died to make free access for every one of you to come into heaven, and each of you are equally close to God. God's ear is open to your prayer and to your cry just as readily as he is to my prayer or my cry. I am no closer to God than you. I am no more spiritual than you. I have no more access to God than you. I have no privileges that you do not have. We are all one together in Jesus Christ, equal privileged, equally blessed, and equal opportunities for each of us to come before God at any time. And that's a glorious thing to me that God has broken down any kind of barriers that would hold men back and away from God. And I feel that it is dangerous in the church to set up a spiritual hierarchy, whether we call it priesthood or shepherding or anything else, where I say to the person, now look, I'll go to God for you and I'll tell you what God wants you to do with your life. Now, don't you trust in yourself. You trust in me and I'll, I'll get God's word and God's direction for you. So if you want to, you know, buy a new car, you come to me first and I'll, and I'll tell you whether or not you should and all. Hey, I feel like Moses. Lord, I didn't conceive all these people. I can't handle all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't want to carry that kind of a load. I don't want to shepherd or lord over you. I am your servant. I'm here as God's ambassador to declare God's love and God's truth and God's word to you. And I'm here to serve you, not to lord over you. 
Not to tell you or not to try to direct your life, but to tell you, hey, you seek the Lord. You seek guidance from Him. Because mine might tell you something that's absolutely wrong. And then you come back and say, you told me to do that. Man, look what happened. <laughs> I've, I've counseled too many people who come back and said, man, you told me this. And oh boy, it really messed up. You know, it's just rotten, you know. That's why I don't like to counsel anymore. Man, I don't like that kind of responsibility. You seek the Lord and you let God guide you. And so they made these plates and they were a memorial that no stranger, which is not of the seed of Aaron, should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that they be not like Korah and his company. Verse 40. And on the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron and said, You have killed the people of God. Oh, at this point, I would have, I'd have said, forget it. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Numbers on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Numbers 10 through 16 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. And may your life be an instrument in God's hand this week. May God help you to share His love with those that are still sitting in darkness. And may you experience the anointing of God's Spirit upon your life in a new and a very special way as He empowers you to do His work. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Do you want to know a great story about gang members, drug addicts, mental patients, society's rejects, and how God turned their lives around to use them mightily? It's all right here in the book Harvest. Join Pastor Chuck Smith as he tells the story of how God transformed the lives of 10 men to reach the world. Read the testimonies of Greg Laurie, Raul Reese, Mike McIntosh, 
John Corson, Skip Heitzig, and others, and see for yourself that if God can use these guys to spread the gospel worldwide, then God can use you too. To read a sneak preview of the book online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD. I want to encourage you to check it out. This just might be the book to change a life of a loved one or even you. Visit thewordfortoday.org.